Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Discussion 5, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey Podcast Network is growing, and we want to make sure that you're aware of everything going on. So let's give you the rundown of the schedule every week, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every single Monday, that's all 31 NHL shows coming at you. One show for every NHL team on Tuesdays. We've got Tales with TR, which also runs on Thursdays. Uh, we've also got Hockey to Heroin coming to you. The Road to Recovery, hosted by Brady Leavold, every Wednesday and Saturday. Uh, the Fourth Line Voice, coming to you every Wednesday and Sunday. The Ice Analytics Podcast, coming to you every Friday. And the House of Hockey Podcast, every Tuesday, hosted by Breezy and Ray Ray. If you want to see more, go to the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or at hockeypodnet to check out more. Hi everybody! <clears throat> oh Jesus! Hey, welcome to episode. Oh man, audio is really blowing right there. Uh, <laughs> welcome to episode sixty-six of the discussion five. Uh, we are here to talk the five most pressing matters, if there are any, for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, as the Brotherson discussion, uh, as you heard at the top of the show, we are part of the Hockey Podcast Network, but we also come to you as the Brotherson discussion. Uh, Mike, tonight, uh, big show. So. Uh, listen this Monday morning, so you want to tune in on Thursday to hear our recap of Extreme Rules if you are interested in our pro wrestling talk, uh, but you can find yeah. the Discussion 5 and the Brothers Discussion, uh, everything juicy at bodpodcast.com, brothersdiscussion.com. Uh, we have our Twitter for the hockey show is at bodhockey, which will probably get some good play starting August 1st. Woo! Uh, right now, it's just a lot of snarky comments about how uh, we probably shouldn't be playing hockey. So if you're a huge fan of the fact that there's a return to play, probably, you know, just don't, just know that I'm, I'm having fun with, uh, you know, the potential uh, death of the NHL and all major sports with the return to play. Uh, at least they're going to be in Canada, which is a lot safer than the United States. So they've, they've got that going for them. Uh, anyways... We're also on Instagram at brothers uh, underscore of underscore discussion. And uh, we have our YouTube channel that we uh, we hope that you'll subscribe to. You can check out these videos. And we've been putting a little bit more production into those. So there's uh, they, they, they're a little bit more fun to watch. Uh, there's some slides and pictures and stuff in there. So when we're doing our, our drafts, you actually get to see who we're talking about and some stats. So check that out. Uh, it's the Brothers of Discussion on, on YouTube. I got to remove some of our old... I realized uh, there's some other channels on there. It's the Brothers of Discussion. They were all created by me. Uh, but that was, uh, that was before we had this channel now. So that you might get confusing there. But look for the one that actually has videos coming out. All right. Mike? Woo! I think, I think that's everything. Um, that's it. Yep. All right. Let's say a lot. <laughs> Another so. good episode. See you guys next week. All right. <laughs> So, like, I mean, there's NHL news uh, for the Red Wings. There isn't too much. So I thought uh, I thought what we could do is kind of start maybe highlighting some, some potential draft picks for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, no. So, and, then, uh, and then we're also going to go back and do our redraft uh, game. Uh, yes. This, this week it'll be the, uh, the 2006 draft. Uh, so when I started – thinking about who the Red Wings could draft, I started thinking about how the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, were 
I don't know, like the first thing I, I think of, and, and they're loaded uh, on the forward side of things. And a lot of that, like we talked about last week, is due to some late drafts working out or, or non-first-round draft picks working out, uh, like Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov for, uh, for Steve Eiserman. The Cooch! And Does anyone some, call him the Cooch besides me? Just, just Oh, I'm sure there's people out there that call him the Cooch. That's, that's yeah. a fun nickname. Um, <laughs> but I, I started... I started thinking about uh, the defense and and the Tampa Bay Lightning, and it was something for me at least when we were facing the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round a few years ago, and we saw some great performances from Peter Morazic. I remember like thinking at the time, like, man, this is such a great defense, and it's so huge, and how are you supposed to get anything past this defense? Right. And I, I wanted to see how how it got built, and I mean. I was I was actually a little underwhelmed at Steve Eiserman's ability to draft defensemen. Uh, so, nineteen Mike defensemen were drafted by Steve Eiserman while he was a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning's front office. Uh, Seems like three, a low number. Three, nine, I don't know. I, that's you've got forwards, goalies, and defensemen. You've got to draft over. Um, all right, you know what? Uh, maybe I didn't count the last couple of years. Uh, because we don't know how those those uh, the last two years don't count because uh, we don't know how they're going to turn out. So really, we're talking 2010 to 2017, right? So uh, yeah. all right, cool. yeah, okay. Maybe that's maybe I was wrong. Maybe that's kind of a lot. All right. <laughs> I mean, one year uh, there were five defensemen drafted, uh, but out, out of those 19 defensemen that were drafted. Only three played more than 100 games, and Ooh. none of them, zero, were a part of, like, they are a part of, like, the core right now. Now, they did help acquire Braden Coburn and Ryan McDonough, uh, but, I mean, to that, to that end, I think if we're talking about uh, the ability to, like, find a talent and say, this fits with my team, you could pull the, you know... I guess uh, the conclusion that Steve Eiserman uh, doesn't know how to draft defensemen, right? If we, I mean, uh, if you, yeah, if you don't have any examples of guys, I mean, uh, essentially 0 for 19, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you're going to, Ryan McDonough really, you know, wiggles your, your nether regions. Well, that's who yeah. he, no, well, that, I mean, you want to, uh, Ryan McDonough is who he traded to acquire. I, yeah, so that's, my that's, I mean, that's, that's, that sums up. that's the extent of it. That was the apex. So, I, I mean, so there's two sides of that coin. I mean, he, uh, the defenseman that he was trading around to, to pick up uh, the, the Braden Coburns and the Ryan McDonough's uh, never really did pan out because even when I'm looking at who's done well, I, I'm saying three guys have played more than 100 games. That, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, they've needed to stay on the lightning uh, to keep playing. So, even if they've moved on or been traded, it, it looks like Steve made the right choice uh, to make those moves so that he's brought over some guys that can either produce now. Um, I, I'm talking about in the last episode, we, we mentioned uh, Liber Hayek. He moves on uh, to the New York Rangers, and that's how Ryan McDonough comes over. We don't know how that's going to turn out. could turn out fantastic for the Rangers. But, uh, you know, Ryan McDonough doesn't uh, – I, I would I – would, I'll say right now – I like Ryan McDonough. I think that was a spectacular pickup. So uh, when when you're kind of comparing, uh, can Steve Eiserman pick up defensemen in the draft? I 
I think the highlight, or the, the only conclusion you can pull from these statistics of 19 defensemen and three only working out, and really none of them really becoming like superstars or anything, um, you, really the only conclusion you can pull from, from me saying that is he doesn't know how to grab defensemen. But we do get to say he does know how to turn them into assets later, and he definitely knows how to pull in forwards. It's just from the defensive side. Um, so the reason I did that, Mike, uh, and I know I'm doing a lot of talking here, was because I wanted to start highlighting uh, some possibilities for the Red Wings. Uh, yeah. And I kind of looked at, like, how was more Cider built? Uh, what what did Iserman like bringing into the Tampa Bay Lightning? And I, that's where all of this research I, came in because I, I took a look at uh, William Wallander, who if you're, you're a huge fan of... Uh, Take you know if if you go back and forth on these draft prospects, you're watching junior level games. Uh, for for this, you'd have to be watching the Super Elite League for for William right. Wallander. Uh, but then I, I started to think like, well, what did Iserman do that was successful? And there really isn't a lot to point to from the defensive side for Steve and his drafting abilities. So we've got our fingers crossed right now and more Cider, But I I I can't believe that hasn't been talked about more when more Cider was picked up. I don't know. All right. Yeah, I mean, no, I think uh, two things going on there. One is that you're, uh, you know, Iserman is brand new as GM for the Red Wings. You know, not brand new, but, you know, he's only a year in. Um, So we got one draft, so we kind of gave him benefit of the doubt, and he kind of got to use that benefit of the doubt. And when he picked his guy, we all just kind of said, it's his first draft with us, whatever. But if you're going to look at precedent, uh, you should have been a little terrified, like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, (laughs) We've essentially seen him go 0 for 19. Um, how many three, defensemen three has, has... He did. I mean, he did pick up, like, <clears throat> Radko Gudis, and he's worked out pretty well for Philadelphia. Uh, but, I, I I mean, well, the idea... Let me, let me ask you this. Uh, yeah. How many defensemen did we get last year outside of Cider? Was there one more? Because I was just uh, curious if... I mean... Uh, if Iserman only drafts... 19 defensemen and then calls it quits like would tampa bay have drafted 91 defensemen if sergey fedorov was the gm i don't know um it was just a numbers joke because steve was number 19 but i i got uh, internet's not working i can see your your william wallander uh connection there just because he is kind of most cider sized and you know I, i don't know how many of us are sitting around watching the you know super b elite league uh but, you know, he's got some tallies there. He's a, he's a big boy. Um, it sounds like maybe the Red Wings are going to prioritize size a little bit more um, under the Steve, Steve regime, um, defensively at least. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know how much, you know, we're, we're almost going like third or fourth-hand information here, especially since we can't really tune in and watch, you know, this guy develop, you know, with everything going on. Yeah. Um, Do you think that um, would it be something that, you know, because it sounds like they are kind of comfortable with the forwards and they, they talk a little bit more about the defensemen. What if they go like Sanderson, Wallander, one, two, and just I mean, really that's... try to beef up that defense and just, just, you know, put a bunch of chips into one of these defensemen is going to pan out. One of these six foot four, Goliaths is going to pan out. 
I mean, that definitely says a lot about what we have going for us right now. I mean, if if uh, Steve made that choice, I, I don't know if that means he sees a lot more in like a Joe Valeno type, or does he just see so little in what we've been watching? Like, is he super disappointed in a in a Chalowski? Like, is there is there nothing there even with the age? Um, oh, Chalowski want... and Peroni, uh, great, yeah. right? And then uh, you know you pull up, uh, I you know I'm cheating here, so I'm just pulling up the roster. Uh, besides Moritz Sider, I I don't know if there's anybody on here that we look at on uh, the Grand Rapids Griffins that really jumps off and, and lands in like a uh, like a top 100 prospect list i know for us and i know from reading from the athletic and guys that specifically cover the detroit red wings uh the the top name is is joe hicketts but um and this is the grand rapids griffins uh, roster right now i i i just don't i don't know if 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 there is enough here so if that did happen i i i feel like you know, and, and I'm not of, talking you know, about I'm not talking about like Heronic because we all have a Heroner for Heronic. I'm talking about is is Eichmann looking at this pool and watch the season in in uh, in Grand Rapids and see so little that that's where that happens. And 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 again, is it a reflection more of him seeing enough in Rasmussen? Uh, is is Hirose getting a, a a better shot next year? Um, like I mean, Joe Valeno seems like there's a lot of questions popping up. I I don't see enough in any of them when we do get to see them. I I don't see superstar potential from either side. So I think, uh, I don't know. I guess I because so this is two weeks in a row, Mike, that you've brought up Sanderson getting getting drafted by us. Um, I really don't think that's going to happen. I really think we're we're going to go forward there. But um, I don't think there's enough on either side for us to say, like, you absolutely would have to go forward uh, with pick number four because there's, I mean, there are so many holes here. Yeah, I don't know if Steve is going to, like, he's analyzing this team and it's just, you know, there's so so many holes. Like, what are we closer to being elite level at? Right. Um, Is it, you know, essentially we have to to build, like, a second and third line? (laughs) And then defensively, um, I, I, all we keep seeing is that, well, Heronic, he sure led that team in minutes. So it doesn't seem like people are super high on his performance. Uh, but, it, you know, you and I were fans of him. But it, we're going to talk and do this redraft of 2006 and kind of see, like, what happens with the plan, right? Because we, you know, we're kind of in the wake of Pittsburgh and their plan. Uh, we're going to be at the genesis of the Blackhawks and their plan in 06. And definitely kind of see what Boston uh, plans to do with such a successful 06 for them. So I just wonder if, you know, with the cider pick, if they do something like Sanderson, and then if they go, you know, we're going to call William Wallace Wallander, uh, get another giant. <laughs> Is the plan to kind of like beef out this defense and then, you know, start in the middle and work your way out. Because well, if you have a good defense, you know, we talked about, you can get away with having average to bad goaltending. And then, you know, maybe it's something that if you have an elite defense, you're still maybe not scoring goals. So that means you're still going to be able to get good draft picks while still building a strength. Uh, but 
It's tough. Uh, it, there's so many narratives kind of going either way, like to support it. Because again, in 06, you can see, you know, a, a certain defenseman going up top and, uh, you know, for St. Louis um, in this year's example. And if they had just gone forward, eh, there were some pretty good forwards that came out. Pretty good leaders, pretty good goal scorers. So it's, it's tough. I, I mean, I, I would say if the plan, if worked out, and like I said, well, uh, Actually, I hadn't said this, but we talked about it before the show. Like Wallander um, would be someone that would kind of drop to the Red Wings to to land them and uh, to land him in the second round in that that first pick. Um, everything was looking fine and dandy. Like HockeyProspect.com has him at forty five. Future considerations number thirty two. McKean's Hockey number fifty seven. Um, now essential scouting uh, for European skaters. So just them. He's number fourteen. And yeah. Elite Prospects had him at twenty seven. But the kiss of death. Uh, is is Bob McKenzie, who's influenced by uh, actual GMs and where these players are ranked, has him at number 27. And earlier in the year, he had him at 21. But uh, number 27 ranked right now probably means he's going in the first round. So um, now, I would say if if we had it on our board that Wallander was a strong possibility, like if he was later in the second round, um then I, I, I bet we go and we're drafting just defensemen. We probably go Drysdale over over Wallander, only because you don't want to, you know, let's let's mix it up. Let's get a guy who's who's going to be moving the puck a little bit better um, than Sanderson. At least that's again the report on him. You got a smaller guy, a faster guy. I, I would I would probably go in that direction if you if you thought you were going to be able to get Wallander. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm basically taking a look at some some later rankings for these guys, uh, and I want to just grab a couple because we'll be we'll be doing this till October, um, and, and just uh, kind of bring bring some guys to everybody's attention. And again, why do you why do you highlight a William Wallander, Swedish, six foot four, hundred ninety two pounds, twenty four points in the Super Elite League, and his uh, first go in the U twenty. Uh, so it's, uh, and that's, that's the under 20. He was in the under yeah. 17 and actually performed better in the under 20 than, uh, than the under 17, but it, it's still a super elite league in, in Sweden. So, uh, nothing, nothing to sneeze at with 24 points in 37 games for a defenseman, uh, especially a guy built like that. Who's probably being asked to stay at home. So you got to figure the movement's not going to be as, uh, agile. So he's either got, you know, a whip of a shot. Or, uh, you know, or it's just that size right now. He's able to just push guys over. Yeah, but the big I, I, reach. This... He's got the strength. Yeah. Right. And it looks uh, like he's definitely got some uh, filling out to do at 6'4 and 192. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm like a, a another Burger King Whopper away from being 193. So I don't know what he's eating over there. But let's let's get the guy some Whoppers, you know. All right. So moving on. Um, we uh, – oh, shoot. Uh, I got – I am not prepared for this at all. I just really... All right. So we all... Uh, I've been talking about the transition to my new laptop. Yeah. Um, I don't... I don't have... Our, 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 uh, let's see if I can pull this up. Are you trying to talk about the Lawnmower 3.0? Are you talking about the Lawnmower 3.0? I, I am. And uh, I really fucked up right now. Uh, <laughs> look, I, we've been talking about... Uh, the lawnmower 3.0 for months i almost said weeks months uh and that's because it's a product we're super happy with um let's see what i can roll with here off the top of my head because i'm not going to be able to pull this up uh but you've got uh, the 7000 rpm motor 
You've got uh, the USB charging stand. Beautiful charging stand to show off that you actually are a, a customer of Manscaped. Um, I mean, Mike... This thing really does cut clean, and we've been talking about it for weeks because it's a product I've been using, and, and thank you, Manscaped, for, for bringing this uh, to our attention so that we could clean up down in our uh, no-go zone. Uh, but that, uh, that LED lights, you can light up uh, the area where the sun don't shine. Uh, it, it's all just A-plus product uh, for me. Now, if, uh, and, and Mike loves it as well. But if you want to try it out, I head on over do. to manscaped.com. Use promo code TH THPN to get 20% off and free shipping from manscaped.com. Again, promo code is THPN to get 20% off and free shipping. And that's manscaped.com. It's where you can go to pick up, up uh, pick up the lawnmower 3.0 and give yourself a nice, close, clean shave. All right. Uh, Mike, do we have a local restaurant shout out this week? Ooh, um, well, it stinks is I, I did a lot of chains this week. Um, but I'm going to throw another one out there because I'm, I'm going to try and do it for dinner today. Uh, Cubo's Pizza again in Ferndale. Um, this, they have, uh, that, uh, a new chef, um, as of their, their reopening, uh, a couple months ago and, um, uh, just, just really great flavor combinations. Uh, not just your traditional, like, Hey, here's our garbage can pizza where we just kind of put all the ingredients. Uh, this guy has uh, kind of like a, a BLT pizza, but instead of the lettuce, they'll do spinach, little cloves of garlic. Uh, that one's really good. But I think the one I'm getting tonight, Matt, it's uh, pepperoni, sweet honey, and jalapeno. Uh, just the dances Jesus. of flavors on your tongue. It yeah. will make you think of uh, Disney's Fantasia. Um, the sweet, the spice, and then you get the the salty with the meat. Uh, it's it's really just a killer combo. The pepperoni's just a little bit thick too, so you got a little something to really you know sink your teeth in and chew on. Um, yeah, it's it's something I look forward to, and it's it's not a cheap pizza. And I think for that price, if you brought it home, you know you'd be kind of upset if it didn't taste good. Uh, but with that. <laughs> With, uh, Usually with I'm that. okay with it if it's Little Caesars. I'm like, this tastes well, like dog yeah, shit. I mean, you, I get you, you get it's uh, you get what you pay for. You know, yeah. if you eat a crappy Little Caesars, that's on you. You ordered Little Caesars, but for that price, you're like, this better be a damn good slice of pizza. And you take a bite, and you're like, oh. So you're still happy with an investment pizza. That's what I'm saying. So bravo to Cobos. You're getting my business again, uh, Matt. Your restaurant shop. Well, I thought uh, I thought of one out in Lansing. That's uh, uh, Cosmos is a pizza place. You just made me think of it because that's where I had uh, now this this would, this was their pizza of the day, or it was uh, surprised me. So it might not even be something they make for everybody. Uh, but it was a, uh, a strawberry chorizo pizza. What? So so good. What the hell's a strawberry chorizo pizza? I mean, it's it's those same elements you were talking about there. You get a little bit more tang. Uh, when you're when you're cooking up uh, some chorizo with some fresh fruit, um, but yeah, the the sweet and salty was was at the core of it. Um, I just oh, so good. But the thing I was actually thinking of mentioning before uh, you you brought up your pizza experience, uh, I just had to give a quick shout out to Aberrant Ale, who's got uh, a beer I'm gonna go pick up for t- for my dinner tonight. Uh, and and uh, I'm really happy of uh, that Aberrant Ale is doing this because you know where I live. I live in Howell. This is on Main Street. In- and Howell, their new beer is called Black is Beautiful, and uh, and for one, 
this is this is a town that needs this type of business that is supporting Black Lives Matter. So Ooh. right in the heart of Howell, you can't you can't you know just escape into your little bubble of of you know shitty white people. I don't know. All right, so <laughs> Black is Beautiful is a ten percenter with uh, coffee, chipotle, and chocolate notes. Um, oh, I nice. when I saw this, I sent you a text immediately because I I check their board online every day just to see what's going on. Uh, I'm calling them. I'm getting I'm getting my uh, growler, and I'm I'm gonna have a good time tonight. All right, 2006 NHL draft, Mike. This is uh, the continuation of the Bill of the Boston Bruins, but the first piece uh, was drafted for the Chicago Blackhawks this year. Um, shady nasty. Uh, yeah, the Blackhawks, the dynasty. Oh, yeah, <laughs> shady nasty. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're talking about Jonathan Taves getting drafted in the first round. One um, one of the notes that you and I talked about before we even uh, started recording here was Jonathan Taves is not the MVP of this team. Uh, he's not the guy that that I think he's not the the stat sheet MVP. Right, but he, is he the Iserman like MVP? Right. Uh, Obviously, and- Iserman had higher like mountains as far as like points in a season. Um, I think you could count on Steve a little bit more for, you know, goal scoring, but I, I, you know, tapes taking that number 19, that definitely was uh, pretty purposeful. Um, and you know, with these Blackhawks, uh, Stanley cups, uh, he, he was a monster in the playoffs. Um, uh, just a super reliable guy. Um, not just leading the team. That's, that's when he got his points was in the playoffs. Um, right. Um, he took a, he took home, God, what is the name, what is the name of the trophy? What is in this tequila sunrise, Matt, um, for a playoff MVP? Because uh, he took, yeah, he took home the consmite. It's funny that you say that, because I, I, um, for the, the longest time, I, I always related, uh, like, goaltenders to winning, uh, the consmite, so I always would confuse, when I was younger, I'd always confuse. Oh, that was the, the goaltending? Con- yeah, I'd always confuse the Vesna and the Consmite. So when I was going yeah. through like then I so I would think it was called the Vesna. And then when I would go through like who's won the Vesna, I'd go, Wow, look at everybody uh that wins the playoff MVP is a goaltender. That's nuts. And then I yeah. uh, then I'd continue to just push <laughs> the wrongness of that thought even further. And then yeah, and then I would go, you know, I think I think I fucked it up and realized I was, you know, saying the wrong thing when I, I was talking about um, so-and-so winning the Conn Smythe, and then it was like, well, they're not even in the playoffs. And I was like, yeah, but they did so good in the regular season that uh, maybe you should give it to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, all right, so we're, yeah, where but are let's, we? Yeah, uh, let's just real quick with the Shady Nasty, too, like, you know, being in Detroit, we've always kind of, you know, ground our molars whenever we see any kind of success with the Blackhawks. But I got to say, I don't think anyone has a, you know, a, a real, like Taves has never been a pain in the ass. I think he's always kind of been like the diplomat, you know, um, kind of that middle ground where he's like, all right, all right boys, I'm going to go talk to, you know, you know, um, namaste. Uh, I think he's always been like, the one guy that we trusted on Chicago that we, you know, he, he wasn't getting, uh, you know, three or four goals, uh, uh, God, 
Why do I want to keep saying it? Kane. I kept wanting to say Sharp, and I knew that was wrong. You know, he wasn't making us mad on the stat sheet. It just seemed like he was, uh, you know, a genuine good dude. Um, and I think the Blackhawks treat him as such. I mean, you're going to bring him up, well, bring him up in a minute here as a good boy award winner. Um, yeah, I think we we all know like Patrick Kane is the points guy, but man, is he a fucking piece of shit. Uh, I just hate looking at him. It's his face. Well, I mean, plus the rape. So. Oh well. Ooh. I mean, look, I I know we can't like the the case was thrown out. So all we really know is that there were allegations and then they were thrown out. So the conclusion that one who's a lawyer would have to make was that those allegations were false. But I think, I mean, I mean, come on. You, I, all right, we can't, we can't really say anything. But, I mean, Patrick Kane's a piece of shit. Um, all right, so, <laughs> I mean, we're talking Roethlisberger piece of shit level. Uh, all right, so I, I did, Mike, uh, make a mistake because I, I wanted to kind of take a dump on Taves and his career. Turns out a uh, website I was using for um, – Pulling statistics actually does not do a great job of pulling statistics because it filters out into doing like power play and penalty kill and five on five like nice. randomly. So I didn't realize it wasn't set properly. So yeah, what well, I want to do is, well, is highlight Taves. Taves is really he, he had a fantastic career from an expected goals percentage uh, point of view. And if yeah. I could compare him to Pavel Datsuk real quick. Uh, Pavel's best year uh, for Any expected goals. Any excuse to bring up Datsuk, you son of a bitch. Well, yeah. Uh, his best year for expected goals was when we won the Cup in uh, 07 08. It was actually uh, 63.45. And again, the expected goals is this measurement of uh, where, when you're on the ice, uh, where the shots are being taken. So it's not, it's not just the, the Corsi and the puck possession. It's do you actually have an opportunity to score goals here? And uh, for Pavel Datsuk, the expected goals for an, an 07 08 was 51.14. Expected goals against was 29.46. Just fantastic numbers. So if we go over to Taves, he actually has comparable years in 2009, 2010, 2012, 2013, 2013, 14. Now he did start to decline at 15, 16, whereas actually he was giving the expected goals against was higher than the expected goals for. But um, I mean, with that, you you get three... How do I want to, I don't want to say MVP caliber because MVP defines itself in a different way as like who had the most points. But I, I mean, this is, this really is the MVP. Like this, this is where this guy's on the ice and you've got this uh, two to one kind of like uh, goals in my favor to goals I'm allowing. Uh, and it's just, to me, this really, this really is a game changer. And I, I'm glad I, I actually had an extra minute to take a deeper look at these stats because uh, if I if I had just come out and said, well, um, well, it wasn't so great, which is which was the fault of of me filtering uh, filtering these stats on a natural stat trick. Um, I'm glad I'm glad I took that second and saw the truth here because Taves Taves is a difference maker. I'm not really like people aren't listening to this going like, wow, yeah, Taves really is a difference maker. But I, I'm just saying from a statistical perspective, if we can measure, is Taves worthwhile? Was was he worth uh, the high draft pick for the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, despite not being like a, a a Hart Trophy finalist, absolutely. Oh yeah, all right. I I just I every time now that we keep doing these back to back to back, watching uh, the Capitals, watching uh, Pittsburgh, and now we're going to start doing Chicago. Um, 
I don't know if I want to lump in Boston because, you know, this is this year they just hit like an absolute like three grand slams like back to back to back picks. Right. Um, but just like having like high draft picks and hitting on them. God, I'm so envious. Uh, I just want the Red Wings to stop getting screwed with these, you know, uh, with these drops in the lottery because I, I would really like to see us have our version of, you know, what Chicago starts this year in Taves. And going forward, you know, with with high high skill, high ceiling, um, perf- like uh, productive players. <sighs> so maybe next year we'll you know get in the top three <laughs> at least. Um, but yeah, we can uh, we can move on from Chicago. Um, the one guy I know we wanted to talk about for a quick second is uh, you know as we get closer and closer to like modern day how much harder it is to keep track of guys who play uh, 800 games. You know, we had 12 in this from this season have played 800, you know, playing up to today. And miraculously, one man has played 1,000. Matt, it's Phil Kessel. Woo! Definitely a thorn in the Red Wings' sides. Um, hot, hot dog man himself. The old hot dog man. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I've, I always wanted him on the Red Wings. It just felt like something about when pucks touch his hockey stick. They just want to go in nets for some reason. Uh, but, Matt, how, how is he at 1,000 games? Uh, I know you posed the question, is he playing extra games when we're not looking? Uh, is this a lot like Bill Goldberg's win streak when he would just jump from, like, 10 wins to 35? And I'm like, are you going to indie shows? Are you doing a, a hot weekend tournament at Ring of Honor? Like, what, how are you getting all these extra games? Um, but if, if anything, I think you want as many games with Phil Kessel on the ice as possible. So, uh, yes, I would be playing him for my minor leagues. I'd be shipping him back and forth, uh, putting him on, risking him on waivers just to get him on the ice even more <laughs> to see that productivity. Uh, excellent player, uh, winner. I, I, you know, he's 100% going to be going pretty high in our redraft. Uh, big Phil Kessel fan over here and no effing idea how he has played all those mad games already insane well here's i mean this this is this is actually uh i'm trying to pull this up you've got the 2005 nhl draft um you've only got three guys that have played a thousand games uh and 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 that's that's a whole nother year of hockey that they could have potentially played over uh over phil and they've only got 10 more games so here's the thing. I mean, we don't like plus minus, but you throw Phil Kessel out there. You got to mention he's a minus 107, 107. So he does score a goal. Those are my boys, all right? I like those guys. Let's get some, let's roll those dice. Oh. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's the conversation of who's better. Do, do you take a guy like uh, Jonathan Taves or, or Phil Kessel? And you have a guy that has multiple seasons where he's just crushing it two to one. Two goals when I'm out there, one goal when the opponent's out there, potentially. Um, and do you take, you know, do you take the guy who's who's just got, you know, uh, a goal connected to his his hands when he's when he's holding the stick? So I, I mean, it, man, it's, you're it's talking to the you're team. talking to the Red Wing fan base, all right? You know how in love we are with Robbie Fabry. This is like Robbie Fabry just. Just inflate the crap out of his numbers. Like, yeah, yeah. let's rock and roll. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, you might let a few in, but look at that stat sheet, huh? Yeah, just oh. don't don't focus on the plus minus, man. Don't look at that. Just look at those goals and assists. Look at them tally up. 
That's so, what I like. So to, to kind of uh, bundle that with our, our scouting department winners, we, uh, we want to talk about uh, Boston Bruins first. Brad Marchand. Uh, uh-oh. I'm losing power. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Oh, shit. All right. Brad Marchand, uh, Lucic, Phil Kessel uh, going for the Boston Bruins. I, here, here's what I just looked up, Mike. Um, and a lot of people know this because they bring it up all the time with how dumb the Toronto Maple Leafs are. But uh, so they th- – this is this is incredible because this actually didn't even pan out too great for the Boston Bruins um, from, from a perspective of guys sticking around. But Phil Kessel – is drafted by the Bruins. Fantastic job, you know, with those list of players. And that's what we're trying to say is the scouting department did a great job finding these guys. Uh, but then they trade Kessel to the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs trade the 2010 first-round pick, second-round pick, and a 2011 first-round pick. Those draft picks turn into Tyler Sagan, one of the top forwards in the league, and Dougie Hamilton, one of the best defensemen in the league. In effing incredible. This this trade. You can't I see mean, Boston. Woo! Man. Well, of course, Sagan moves on. Dougie Hamilton moves on. I I just I. Man. This this was such a great like to think that that's what those that trade resulted in and yeah. I, like this Phil Kessel draft pick by the Boston Bruins has affected the NHL even to this day. Waves. Now that Kessel waves is, of influence. A, yeah. Now that yeah. he's a coyote. Um, it's just, it's, it really is. It's, it's incredible. Um, and of course, you know, Kessel moving over to, to Pittsburgh eventually to help them win two straight cups. And then he's on the third line because Crosby and Malkin couldn't mesh with him. He's just, you know what? Give him his hot dogs, give him his goals, let him end his career in Arizona because he's got his cups. So, uh, good, good on Kessel for, for just sticking around and, and getting moved around like that. But all right. Also, I know, in, real quick. I know in our circle that we call him the hot dog man. Does that does that transcend anywhere else? I think so. Uh, I mean, it all I mean, started with besides a, being a goal scorer and who doesn't play any defense. Uh, <laughs> um, he does wear a lot of yellow jerseys, so it could be mistaken for mustard. That's why I really like uh, <laughs> that association as the hot dog man. Well, now uh, that he wears a brown jersey, he can get covered in hot dogs. Spicy brown, yeah. yeah. That's it's pretty dark brown. Or like a cooked weenie, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. other winners. Uh I, I think we're just talking about man games here because we don't really have a lot of names uh yeah. maple leaves, but um I, I mean on that list we include James Reimer. So did that is that really what the Maple Leafs turn around and look back at this draft and go, Man, that really helped us. No. Um but I mean good on the Maple Leafs for, for pulling a, a lot of us. man games played. Yeah. Uh, and then the Washington Capitals, Mike, I, I want Ooh, you to tell yeah. this story because you're, you're going in two different directions. On yeah, this. if only, you know, we try to keep track of, uh, you know, like you were saying, Boston did kind of disband some of those amazing draft picks, but, you know, it, it ended up working out for them in the end. Um, so it's not necessarily, you know, the good boy award winners, you know, or their career, you know, players for your team. But it's like you picked a guy, he's rocking and rolling, right? With Washington, this year – they are so good at assessing talent that can skate. So we put them as the winners because they bookended their draft with two excellent centers um, and Nicholas Backstrom, who obviously is a little bit on the Ovechkin coattails. Uh, so those assist numbers are going to be through the roof. Um, I, I could probably get 50 points playing next to Ovechkin. Um, and I can't really right. skate. 
Um, but still, Backstrom, he still had to get the puck on the tape in some capacity. Well, probably not on the tape, but in his, uh, his, his, his hockey stick, his firing radius. So in some capacity, some skill was required. So Backstrom gets credit there. Uh, but they also got Matthew Perrault, who we're going to talk about in a quick second, because um, he is our uh, Datsuk Diamond in the Rough Award winner. Hey, everybody. Uh, so just so you know, this is going to be awkward. Oh, Mike, I don't have a video of you yet. But um, we, I, I just lost power, so uh, we're going to kind of reset here. But we were uh, busy gargling on Matthew Perot's balls. Um, and let me, let me kind of reset here where we were, because uh, Matthew Perot is winning our, our Datsuk Diamond in the Rough Award, drafted at uh, 177, and was also part of the reason why the Washington Capitals are in our scouting department winners. So I'll, I'll get through this. 324 points in 627 games. Uh, Datsuk Diamond in the Rough, we, we are defining someone that, that was drafted late and found some success. Um, it, it's really hard to find guys that have this much success that late in the draft, especially as uh, teams start to really ramp up uh, their, their scouting departments and finding the right ways to, uh, to scout. And, and guys like Datsuk just, just aren't popping up anymore late in the draft. Uh, so to see a guy who's getting a half a point per game uh, at 177 is, is pretty rare. Um, but Mike, as soon as, as soon as you're back up, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Right. <laughs> um, but you also, and, and feel free to, to chime in here. Um, Oh, you know what? And I, and now I lost I lost Mikey. So it, it's just me going. But what Mike was trying to describe here was uh, why why would a team? Um, and I, I I feel like I need to let him explain this uh, because it's it's just it's a little. Uh, I feel like I might do this. But uh, what Mike was talking about was was drafting uh, two different uh, goalies back to back just to see if one of them's going to work out. Um, so I. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep rambling here, Mike, and then you can jump on for the the Washington Capitals. But for my my scouting department losers, I've got the Calgary Flames, who I I, I said they got nothing. So uh, Mike, you have it listed here as 13 man games uh, out of this draft. Tampa Bay seven man games. Florida with 43 man games. Uh, the New Jersey Devils less than 200 man games, and the Nashville Predators with 56 man games. This goes back to 2006, so a little bit different if we were comparing drafts in the last five years, and you still want to see guys see where they pan out. But, I mean, th this is a lot of nothing coming from this draft. Uh, there's Mike. But, hey, Mike... Hey, backup camera. All right, we're back. You don't like the Washington Capitals strategy. Yeah, it was just a... a... So, yeah, what I was saying is that... Uh... Uh, I used to go to uh, Macy's at the mall and they made this really great sandwich where the bread was like this apple cranberry um, that they would like lightly butter and lightly toast. So it was, it was nice to grip, even better to taste. And I mean, they went, they sandwiched it, Backstrom, Perot. And in the middle, it's like they just put like a shit hot dog in the middle because I, I don't understand. It was like two different people were in the war room making picks. You're really good at picking the skaters, but for some reason they had a second first round pick and with their second round pick, they went back to back goalie goalie and neither one panned out. Uh, I mean, Semyon Barlamov, 
I mean, um, he had cap- he had he had some he was, serviceable seasons. He was fine, you know. But and then uh, uh, New Birth. Um, I see you over there, Matt. Give me that pronunciation. How'd I butcher that? It's it's Neuberth. You were close. Neuberth. Um No, I, but it just it just screams to me that if they did that, it kind of feels like going in. I don't know if either one of these guys is going to be superstars. Let's just let's just try twice. And it's just not just are you trying back to back. You're trying back to back with high picks, and you you you're confessing. It's not just getting two goalies in one you know one draft year. You're you're getting them back to back, which means you 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 don't feel super confident either way. So it's just if you're at that point, you probably just shouldn't do it. So here's here's my counter argument. I think that goaltenders are the most wishy washy of all. I mean, we, we the the um, like relief pitching. The athletic asks all um, hockey players, like who who is the best goaltender in the league, and despite uh, a lack of uh, hardware in regards to uh, winning some Stanley Cups, uh, every year they they vote Carey Price, and I mean the last season uh, or this past season, nine oh nine save percentage. Two seasons ago was a nine hundred save percentage. Uh, goals against in the threes, and he still gets listed. I mean. Uh, he, even when he was picked to be the starter for Montreal, uh, a 905 save percentage in 2012-13. Now, Carey Price wins a Hart Trophy. He's he is great, but I'm just saying, like it goes in so many different directions over a career. Now, Carey Price has a 917 save percentage. So, if I had to go back and look at at Barlamov, who ends up with um, he he got some some MVP votes. Uh, for one of his one of his seasons, and now he's got a nine fifteen save percentage. I just goalies are so hard to come by. I I think Varlamov actually has a pretty good career, two sixty seven goals against. Uh, you know most of the career worked out for for Colorado, but but I I I don't know. I applaud this strategy. If you have to find a way to make goaltenders work, I think you do have to pick up. In those middle rounds, you have to pick up a couple goaltenders every year, and that's what I do. That's what I do in the video game. Uh, I, would, so uh, I, I would be prepared to see some uh, some Red Wing moves like that because we don't really have anyone in the in the pipeline. It's basically Bernier and nothing else. Um, so this this might be a season, Matt, where we're going to find out if that strategy works. Because. <laughs> Yeah, it's either that or, uh, you know, the, the, the Holton rumors. Um, and there's some news stories about him saying, yeah, this might be my last run before I go and cash out in Detroit. Boom. So we'll see what happens. And I think, I think the argument I would make is, is like maybe not two goaltenders right next to each other. Like that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I mean, Varlamov paid off. Uh, if if you want to look at how his career panned out in Colorado, but I, I still hate like drafting goalies that early because we see how his career really did you know bounce up and down so much that you could probably get the same bounce or at least tag you know the one season you're going to get to try and win a Stanley Cup with a good uh, forward and defensive core uh, with a later round draft pick. Uh, but anyways, uh, as we're going to point out too, once we do the redraft, they're really there's a huge drop off in regards to production in, in this draft as well. So Boston did great. Um, not, not too, not too much uh, after that. Uh, 
Good Boy Awards go to uh, Nicholas Backstrom, Jonathan Taves, Claude Giroux, and Brad Marchand sticking around with the same teams. And uh, Backstrom just inked that new deal with Washington, so we know that's going to continue. Could could have could have been could have been different. Uh, they they had to pick between Holpe and Backstrom, and they picked Backstrom. There's that chance that the Red Wings are going to pick Holpe. Um, and then uh, you know what? Uh, this information here that we have for uh, our good old wing dingies, uh that is yeah, it was it was that is, uh, that is not pretty correct, pretty barren year for the Wings. Um, you know, we didn't really get a lot out of Corey Emerton, um, who was our first pick. Um, you know, Sean Sean Matias had a pretty good career, not for us. Uh, <laughs> and uh, besides that. Uh, I remember everybody getting excited for Jan Mersak, but yeah, like that, that's funny when we go through this and um, uh, like Larson was another name that I remember getting excited for. And of course we see the no man games. Uh, so it, it's just, it's funny how, how like people do get excited because they see some goals scored for the Griffins. Um, but it's just, you got to keep that level head because I, I, I remember being God just over the moon when when Mersak was getting a shot um, and, and just I mean we see how it panned out so it's it's just yeah. one of those things like uh, a lot of these guys are not going to pan out and that's why I think I'm so guarded when it comes to looking at like a Joe Valeno and how many people like are so quick to go well he's definitely a third line guy for us but wouldn't it be great if he was a second and then I'm like whoa. Um, Okay, uh, what have we seen to say that he's definitely a third line guy for us? Um, not not exactly like MVP level stats coming out of Grand Rapids, so I, I don't know how you're going to transition that into like um, like a, a serviceable third line NHL forward. Um, like I don't know what people are seeing besides the written about potential. If if you catch my drift, like it, it's just sure you can read that stuff. But what are we actually seeing that says, like, NHL level? Like, I, I, I don't know how you could make an argument where if he's not running a first line in the minors, how do you make the argument that it transitions perfectly a third line uh, center into the NHL? It's just, it's tough for me to believe in. And again, I'm so guarded because I've seen so many of these go the wrong way. Um, yeah. All right. So, redrafted the, the top 10 of the 2006 draft. Um, Mike, you ready? I think you get the first pick this time. Yeah, I think I do too. Uh, it's just, you know, sometimes we try to do a little positional consistency. Um, cause originally the St. Louis blues had the first pick and took Eric I, Johnson. I like what who, you're going. Uh, I like where you're going here. Who, uh, <laughs> he, um, he's fine. You know, uh, he, you know, had that one horrific, uh, Golf injury. My God, who knew golf could be so strenuous? Uh, golf injury that kept him out of playing in the NHL for a season. Uh, I, think but, it was, I think it was listed as a golf cart injury. Ooh, that's a little more interesting, I think. So, I would definitely, if if there was a way for me to add cart into my golf injury, I would definitely include that. Yeah, um, somebody was <laughs> fucking around on the course. You got injured playing golf? Golf cart. Very, very important distinction. Golf cart. Um, but... St. Louis, I think that this is a season. Uh, it looks like you were trying to. I, I don't know if you thought you were getting the next Nick Lidstrom. I, I don't know if you thought that you know you were you were going to be smarter than everybody else in the room. 
I can't do that to you. I, I can't. I can't give you Eric Johnson again. I, I, I'm not even going to do this thing where we do that positional consistency. Matt, this is the redraft. You have to get the most valuable player. As much as I love my boy, the hot dog, Uncle Phil, you have a guy who's going to lead your team. His, his freaking number is number 19. Matt, three-time cup winner, a Messier award winner, uh, a Conn Smythe trophy winner, which turns out does not only go to goaltenders, uh, a Selkie award winner. In Detroit, we love those because of our beloved Datsu. Matt, number one pick, it's Jonathan Tapes. And I, I don't I don't know if it's really close. Um I know that there's guys who are going to score a little bit more. Um, you know, we talked about some other guys getting on the coattails, but this is a guy who leads the locker room. He's the ultimate diplomat. Uh, you know, he's a playoff proven performer, which regular season's great. This is a guy who steps it up, you know, to win the big games, uh, to score important goals, uh, to kill important penalties. I just I don't think you can go anywhere but Jonathan Taves uh, turning around the St. Louis Blues at number one. All right. Well, I, I am going to go with some uh, consistency with the position. Uh, it would have been great. God, it would have been great to see the Penguins lock up Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, and Jonathan Taves. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm going to my draft board right now. Uh, they are they're still going to pick up. Uh, they're still going to pick up a worthwhile center. And instead of uh, Backstrom getting to play with Ovechkin, uh, let's see how he does with Malkin uh, for his whole career. So Backstrom on my draft board, I, I actually put him as number one. Uh, I still see uh, a lot of great expected goal statistics. And Jonathan Taves is my number two. Uh, so I actually made a draft board this time, everybody. So I, I'm prepared. But Nicholas Backstrom going to, going to the Penguins. Uh, another top draft pick. For those goddamn penguins. God damn it. See how well like that works it. out, uh, NHL, when uh, the shitball team gets to draft at the top? Jesus. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what did I just say? Backstrom. All right, Mike. So you got the Blackhawks. They've lost Jonathan Taves. Uh, they lost the guy who basically built their shady nasty. Um, All right. So where? how do you how – do you, how do you, uh, what do you yeah. do now? Um, well, I, I don't, as much, again, as much as I love the hot dog, as much as I love Mr. Mustard himself, put a little mustard on that mustard, Uncle Phil. I, I can't do it. Um, I'm, I'm still going to go responsibly here. I'm still going to go for leadership. I'm still going to go for a guy who's not quite at the Taves and Datsuk level for Selkie. <sighs> Man? I think I know where you're going. I'm going to say I think he is. I'm going Brad Marchand. Oh. Okay. Maybe it's a reach. Maybe it's a reach, but he's still up there for Selkie votes. He's still a productive player, still yeah. getting an all-star, still getting a leader, still getting a winner, uh, still getting a playoff performer. He's just a little bit down the pecking order. Um, and you get the same position. And, you know, he's still got a cup. He's still got that cup. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to be super bummed. I don't think they're getting quite the – um, this is the second time we're referencing him today. William Wallace type of leader that we got out of Taves. We're still getting a, uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe like, um, uh, like a B rabbit leading the crew at eight mile kind of leader. Uh, yes. <laughs> give me, give me Brad Marchand. Um, I, I don't think that they would be too devastated by getting that guy. 
we like those defensive forwards in Chicago and Detroit. And I, I think Chicago would be okay with that. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out um, a guy. This is who I thought you were going with. And actually, this is funny because this is lining up right with my draft board. Uh, it's just the, the number one and number two were switched. Uh, but uh, for me, I'm going, I'm going Claude Giroux. I, I think this is a guy, this is a game changer for your team. Um, I actually think, when it comes down to it, Backstrom did have a great career, and I think it, I think it makes a lot of sense uh, for him to go to Pittsburgh because he's going to be surrounded by the all-stars that are Crosby and Malkin, uh, just like he was surrounded by Ovechkin. So I, I, I think you could see a similar track. Uh, but I, I, I do think that Claude Giroux brings to the table, like, he, he's got ownership of a team. And I actually think this is this, just despite despite Backstrom working out so well uh, for uh, for the Capitals, I still I actually think this works out better for uh, for the Capitals in the end. I mean, this is a guy now that really is going to command his own line rather than just being. Um, I mean, you know, Backstrom had his time too, but I I think that Giroux over time proved from a scrappy perspective, a defensive perspective. Um, that 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 he really he really could do a little bit more with with a lot less. Um, and, and you don't have an Ovechkin on the Philadelphia Flyers over the last twenty years. Um, uh, but you've got you've got Claude Giroux, and that's that's what he was for the Flyers. And to bring that over to the Caps, I think I think we might be looking at a couple more cups. Uh, for the Capitals, uh, instead of just just the one a couple years ago. Yeah, I uh, I like that pick. Um, I think I like it a lot more because uh, it leaves a little somebody with a little smoky flavor, huh? a little spice, a little yellow. Yeah. Number five, I think Boston's not changing a goddamn thing. We're taking Phil Kessel, but this time we're keeping him, all right? Uh, now we have the crystal ball. We know he's going to help out Pittsburgh, uh, win a couple cups. Um you know, we were patting Taves on the back for his leadership and his playoff performance. Phil, actually, a pretty good playoff performer, Matt. Um, his plus-minus is a lot stronger in the in the playoffs. Um, you know, he's, he is positive. Um, he's basically a point-a-night guy in the playoffs. And then, you know, he, he leads this draft class in games played. He's right up there for most points. Um Easily a guy you could put on your first or second line uh, to get you some, you know, much needed offense. Uh, you know, we, we we're so desperate for goals that anytime a, a person in Detroit sees pucks going nuts, um, there's a little a little wiggle in the nethers. So I think that Phil Kessel, he's going to do great in, in Boston. This time, stay there, um, even though that that trade, you know, did did work wonders uh, for Boston. I think you could still make a case that Uncle Phil. Uh, Chubby-cheeked Uncle Phil, uh, Mr. Hot Dog himself, I think that he could still have success in Boston. I, I think they run it again. Give me number five. And, and, I mean, maybe their change is they hang on to all those awesome draft picks they had. But, uh, I mean, what are we talking about? They've also been one of the most successful teams from this point. So, I mean, do they really want to change too much? No. All right. So, uh, Blue Jackets are going to get, I, I think, a pretty good change. We're talking about a guy who's uh, getting selkie votes. Uh, pretty much his entire career. Uh, so Jordan Stahl, head on over to Columbus uh, and, and have a good time. I actually listed Jordan Stahl uh, on my draft board. I, I ranked him above Phil Kessel. So I, 
I was I was going to give the Bruins Jordan Stahl, and I was going to take Kessel over in in uh, in Columbus. But um, yeah, I'll, t- I'll 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 put Stahl in Columbus. I mean, it matches their their pickup of a center, and now they've got a guy that's that's a career two way forward and and nothing to sneeze about when you're a half a game uh, half a point per game too. So uh, go Blue Jackets. Absolutely, um, Matt. That moves us into the next pick. Um, <laughs> A team that, at least since you and I have really started watching, you know, hockey, uh, you know, past like the 80s, the Islanders have always just seemed like they're in the toilet. Um, mm-hmm. And they took Kyle Opaso originally, um, you know, a winger. I, it seems like going in order, there actually is a wing that we can do slightly better with. Um, at least that I think he's a sexier name. I think it also kind of helps break up uh, this Boston Bruins dream team uh, where 06, they were just running the running the gamut. Um, everything they touched turned to gold. So we're going to pillage the Bruins a little bit, give the Islanders a little boost. Um, they're getting Milan Lucic. Uh, I, I, I'm a fan of this dude. You know, another a another, um, uh, uh, little bit of a defensive – little bit of a defense forward. I think he scores a little bit more than he plays defense. He's not quite the defensive abyss that is uh, Mr. Hot Dog. Um, but he's on the ice. You know, he's uh, uh, got some all-star votes. You know, solid dude. I, I don't think you can be too upset about that. You get, you know, a slight upgrade. Um, he's also a guy that you're going to get full seasons out of. Um, he basically had back to back to back to back to back. 80, 81, 81, 82, 82, 79. And then, you know, uh, was, you know, on a pretty similar trajectory this season with Calgary, um, obviously before all the COVID shit hit the fan. Um, but I, I don't think you're going to be too upset about a guy who shows up every night, uh, winner, uh, scores in the playoffs. I, I wouldn't mind having Lucic on my team. Okay. Here's, here's my thing. Here we go. Here we go. I already see who he wrote in. You son of a rascal. <laughs> well, this this is kind of silly because I, I actually left uh, my draft board order, but I, I I still I still like this idea uh, better. And I, I I'll say I'll say for two reasons. Eric Johnson didn't have. He's not a terrible defenseman. Uh, so this is a great pick for the Coyotes to bring over to the team. Uh, but number. Number two, he had so he goes down because of a golf cart injury. I can only assume he was at a hilly golf course. So if we take him over to the desert, it'll be <laughs> a flatter plane, and there's less like uh, less potential for those golf cart injuries. So if Eric Johnson wants to just go full board, you know, with a lead foot on the golf court, he'll be safer. Uh, so yeah, for for Arizona, uh, they're gonna go ahead and pick up Eric Johnson, and he's gonna have one less knee injury to. <laughs> to put out of that career. Thanks, All right, man. Mike. You, you, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I gave you a nice, easy. I looking at my draft board. There's, yeah. Uh, I, I'm gonna say there's, there's a lot left. There's, there's, there's certainly. Let me, let me double check one thing here. Uh, my, my boys in the room. Um. We're, we're scrambling and looking at our own roster to see if we can make this move. Um, While you're doing that, I, I just want to point out, like, 
So you've got Backstrom, 927 points. Kessel's got 861. Taves, 815. Claude Giroux, 815. Then there's a huge drop by about 200 points from Giroux down to... And we know we know Brad Marchand is good, uh, but down to 646. Then another huge drop down to Jordan Stahl at 537. So if we're it's strictly just... talking, like, difference makers from, like, close to an MVP level, that's been gone uh you know after after the first three picks uh so if you're looking for that or i'm sorry probably the first four picks uh if you're looking for game changers they're gone now you're looking for guys to fill holes or you're looking for those uh second and third line guys that are going to be a good two-way forward for you get some penalty kill minutes in there we're 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 way past mvps here but uh mike what what have what have you what have What's your team put together? Our boys went into the war room. We got a 28-year-old uh, Nicholas Backstrom, and I'm trying to buy a house, so that's what's going on right now. Um, we got a 28-year-old Nicholas Backstrom. We got a 32-year-old Manny Fernandez. And I, I feel, like, a little apologetic about my criticism of Semyon uh, Barlamov. And bless him. I, this, maybe this is just my apology to him. He's going number nine in Minnesota. I think we need somebody working through the ranks. Uh, we need a guy who – he actually has got pretty solid numbers, man. He actually did make an all-star game as a goalie. Uh, there aren't as many of those slots available. And God bless him. He, he helped Colorado. Colorado, I think we're going to learn, is kind of the bottle for Detroit. Um, uh, just... You know, as far as what they do with number four picks. Yeah. Uh, getting screwed in lotteries. Um and I think that, you know, I, this is a guy who, who, who benefited them. So I, I'm, what I'm hoping is we'll follow this Colorado model. Um, Minnesota, you're going to do it. You're going all in on Barlamov. And I, I apologize, but I, 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 I'm not putting all our eggs in the, the 32-year-old Manny Fernandez. We're moving on from that. Give me the Barlamator. Well, I – I love that pick, and I brought up, like, the Carey Price statistics because I was like, all right, I mean, honestly, this guy's career is actually comparable to Carey Price. So I know I know that's going to, like, a lot of people are going to, like, cringe at that, but when you look at the statistics, I'm, it's true. He really does compare. So I, I'm just also saying, like, Carey Price has had some pretty far downs as well as the very high ups. Yeah. Uh, so when you're looking for a goaltender, and I know we don't, like, picking goaltenders very high that's because we don't know how but this is crystal out, ball but we know oh goaltender drafting. right yeah exactly all right so i was actually going to take barlamoff at number 10 uh so i'm just going to go ahead back to my draft board and i'm actually looking at the number seven guy i ranked it's kyle Ocposo. he's getting drafted by the panthers unfortunately that probably means the death of his career uh he's it's not going to pan out like he hoped um i mean <laughs> what do you mean he's going to thrive with stephen weiss I was going to say, the, the best thing he's got going for him is that now he's in Florida. So neither so going from the Islanders to Florida, he's, he's stuck with cities and audiences that don't care. Um, and uh, But now he's in warmer weather, so light it up. Kyle yeah, his muscles be all loose from all the heat just, just it's, coursing it's through his body. Yeah. It's a win for him. And and this also matches the Panthers looking for a winger. And I feel like the last few drafts that we've been looking at for the Panthers, they're they're picking up goaltending. So I, I don't want to give them uh I, 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 I kinda do, listed 
I, for I, funsies, I was like, how about how about Jonathan Bernier too? He's he's on my draft board. I really but, like uh, Matt your uh, your attentiveness to uh, geography and your draft picks. That's that's what I appreciate. The guys got problems with bumps. Let's take him to the desert. Come on in. <laughs> Let's go. Car rides are fine. Flat as far as the eye can see. All right. Yeah. Uh, actually, deserts aren't necessarily flat, but I figure... No, I've heard there's, like, a Grand Phoenix. Canyon out there or something. Yeah, so yeah. we might take a huge drop-off. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't hit that hill too hard. All right, everybody. Uh, so we apologize for the technical difficulties there. Mike, thank you so much for just coming right back in. I know you've got, uh, you've got to go. So, uh, Mike, thank you. And, uh, everybody check us out at brothers underscore of underscore discussion on Instagram. Find us on Twitter at BOD hockey and subscribe, rate and review on Apple podcasts for the discussion five and find us as the brothers of discussion on YouTube, where we do host both of our, uh, wrestling shows and hockey shows. So if you subscribe there, you're not going to miss either one. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a good one. Hi everybody, this is Matt Klink of the Brothers of Discussion reminding you that you can find the Brothers of Discussion at BODpodcast.com, BrothersofDiscussion.com. Find us on Twitter at BODpodcast. And of course, we are bringing you content every Thursday, if not during every Monday Night Raw, every NXT show, every AEW Dynamite, every SmackDown, every pay-per-view, every major show happening in the United States. The Brothers of Discussion are covering it. So if you want good wrestling coverage come to the brothers of discussion thanks everybody <laughs> you're a slob like shut your whore mouth <laughs> that's it yeah awesome like the, fir- the phrase pigeon toss like i find that hilarious <laughs> like as if you were to toss a pigeon like, like the fuck is a pigeon toss no like you just pigeon toss a guy out of the way like Don't forget to catch Stick in Rink, the healthiest podcast in the Vancouver area. Every Monday on the Stick in Rink podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts from, or on the Hockey Podcast Network, every team, everywhere. You know how fucked I am in the head? When you said pigeon toss, the first thing I thought of was midget toss. We're back. <laughs>